Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. My name is Ira. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'd like to, uh, hi there, for all of you non-birthday party celebrants and others who are here for the first time, I welcome you. Um, to qualify first, um, I have been in Overeaters Anonymous and abstaining since uh, September 7th of 1983. So uh, on the 7th of February, I believe it will be uh, like 37 years and four months, five months. I'm a 100-pounder, and I originally lost about 150, kept it off for 17 years. And life goes on, got older, medical problems and all that. I gained about 20, 25 pounds. I've lost about 15 of that. So I'm uh, 15, 20. So I'm around 140 to 145-pound weight loss now for over, you know, like – 33 years, 34, you know, whatever that that has been. So, and I know a lot of people here, and I don't know a lot of people here, which is the same as it is in the world. Um, and I'm always grateful to share this thing and how it works for me. And thanks, Don, you know. Um, uh, I What I wanted to share on, you know, we talk about the promises a lot. And I go to a, I'm also a sober alcoholic. I came here via Pacific Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. The guy who who eskimo me into this program was sponsored by Clancy. And that, that's, uh, that's a holy thing as far as I'm concerned. But, um, point is I go to a step study called Students of the Big Book for Alcoholics on Friday nights. And all we do, and this is my copy of the book. I don't know if you can, I mean, I could, it's like well used, well thumbed through, and all that. And um, what we do is we study the book, the first 164 pages, and then we go through it, and it's divided into 35 sections. We go through a section at a time, paragraph, you know, like and just read straight through, get an overall meeting, and then discuss the each paragraph subsequently as long as we want to. And we've been doing that for years. And there's a lot of sobriety in there. My sobriety dates the same as my absence. I don't drink, I don't use, and I haven't. And I'm nuts a lot of time, but I'm less nuts than I used to be. So what we talked about, and we talk about a lot of stuff, is that, in fact, in the first 164 pages of the big book, you can find 203 promises. Everybody talks about the promises as they are in the ninth step. Of course, I think the thing that a lot of people forget is they will come true if if you work for them. You know, I'm not entitled to anything in my life. My life is my life. Uh, What I used to say is that when I came in here, I was 110% selfish and self-centered. Selfishness is gimme, 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 and don't let the door hit you on the way out. Self-centeredness is in my zeal 
to be me, I forget about you, which is a little more insidious. I found this out only through experience and making mistakes. I don't find this out through how smart I am, how much knowledge I have, or anything. But what I wanted to share with you today is something that still gives me chills, is the ultimate the ultimate premises are in a vision for you. And um, I'm going to read this. Uh, it's very meaningful. It's on page 152 of Vision for You. And it's right after that part of which, as it, you see, because I'm an addict. Yes, I'm neurotic, but I'm an addict. And by a definition, what an addict is, with both food and me and booze, is somebody who's lost the ability to control whatever it is I'm addicted to. That's it. It's not about, see, and I hear people in these, in, in here, mostly here, uh, trying to figure out why they do what they do. We talk about boundaries. We talk about feelings. That's not it. That's not, I'm, a, I'm addicted. I'll, 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 I'll eat because I feel better. I'll eat because I feel worse. I'll eat because it's cold outside. Ali, and the difference between me and a normal person, I had this one experience. I'm in show business, and uh, um, yeah, like I write music, and have, have everything I have is because of Overeaters Anonymous and AA. Everything. And that's the good and the bad, you know. But I learned better to deal with it. So I did a session once for a movie in uh, North Hollywood. And we went to, and at that time, for some reason, I decided, uh, you know, I was call, I call my food in every day. I was eating two meals a day and one. I decided that the first one would be vegetarian. I would only have like, and I don't eat red meat, but that's what I decided. So we go to this hole in the wall on Vineland and Lancashire years ago. And I was with Lee Holdridge, a bunch of people. We were working on a show and I'm like, that first meal was supposed to be vegetarian. So I look on the menu, and it's a joint, you know. So I figured they have vegetables of some kind, but the only thing they had was pot thai. I forgot what pot thai was, and it's noodles. And there, I have a major league problem with that kind of food. Three spoons into it, I realized what it was. Now, here's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. I could retaste that and envision the whole thing ten days later. Normal people don't do that. Okay, they eat. Me, I could still, I could still feel that. Like, you know, the best sex the first time you had it, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, what I, that's what I am. Okay, so, so that's why I need you. And I don't need you to give me something. I need to give something back to you so that I forget about that stuff in my head. That's why I'm here. So I want to share this with you because, you know, we have a promises meeting. But this is the ultimate thing. And I will transpose uh, food, you know, alcohol to food. And this is on page 152. And those of you who have a book, big book, that's where it is. So uh, let me find it. Oh, hang on. So vision for you is what do you do now that you've figured out your dilemma, 
you know, your relationship with other people with the same dilemma, how to how to be with people in the companionship of eating, you know, so on. And then there's this whole thing about the four horsemen. Then it says at the bottom of 151, now and then a serious overeater being abstinent at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. Then it says, as ex-problem overeaters, this is 152, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy or girl whistling in the dark to keep up his or her spirits. He or she fools, he fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen whatever. For me, slices of pizza and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his abstinence. He cannot picture life without food. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with overeating or without it, which is what brought me into the program, by the way. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. A guy called me at 450 pounds, just lost his job, looking for help. We have shown how we got out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing, but am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without overeating, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? And this next paragraph, ladies and gentlemen, is it. Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Overeaters Anonymous. There, you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus, we find the fellowship, and so will you. And that's it. All the promises point to that. The most satisfactory years of my life will lie ahead of me. That's a pretty good deal for nothing, for two bucks or three bucks in the pot. And and, and this is what this program has given me. Um, I get along beautifully in my relationship. I'm making more, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, I'm a you know, a music writer, and my AA sponsor was a music supervisor, uh, music uh, uh, composer, and uh, he used to tell me that I was an artiste with an accent grave on the E. He says, all that means is you can't handle a day gig, you know. And uh, so, you know, that's that's what it is. I'm very, I have every character defect I came in here with, everyone, because there's nothing in any of the literature I ever saw that says, that they're removed on a permanent basis. Problem is, I have a lack of humility. I think I'm different than everybody else. But here's the joke. Everybody thinks they're different than everybody else. So you've taken that away from me, too. But what's what's happened is, I'm all right with it now. See? Uh, I came in at age 34. Um, I think Jack was around, and... What Jack, and I love Jack, because what Jack brought was this kind of, and as I got to know him, it's like um, he had this 
lightness about the way he talked that I wanted. He also had blonde, straight hair and gray eyes, and I didn't. I had hair when I came in here. I lost weight. I lost 325 pounds. No, no, no. I lost 150 pounds in my hair. You know. But I gained a lot of other stuff. You know. And the reason I read that to you is everything in the book points to that. So, I was asked to do a um, a, a three-hour thing, I guess, up in Oregon. And we're talking about topics. And I pointed out this thing. There's 203 promises in the big book. Why don't we find them? And they lit up. They lit up. See, I mean, I could talk to you about all the steps and, you know, and oh, see, you know, there's something I could put in the chat that Bill Wilson actually was in L.A. Um, and it was sent to me. And uh, he was at the VFW Hall on Highland in 1951 giving a talk, and he said, don't make a project of the 12th step of the of the program. He said, if you go out, it's a one paragraph. He says, you go out, you help somebody where you can, try not to hurt anybody, and when you get home that night and review your day, you'll find you've done the 12 steps. That's it. There's too much analysis. We take ourselves, especially in this program, too seriously. You know, uh, what I can tell you, I was uh, along the way, I think I had about, I don't know, 12 or 13 years of sobriety absence, lost my uh, weight. I was still, Joe was still alive. Uh, he had been my uh, AA uh, Eskimo and sponsor, but I was really having trouble. He had this beautiful house in Sherman Oaks up in the hills on Westland, 4641 Westland. I remember that address. It was one of these that was built into the Glen, had four stories. You know, top was on the top of the hill at a workstation, a beautiful house. So I go over there one time because I'm really thinking that everything I'm saying is offending everybody. I still think that a lot of the time, but you don't have to know that. See, that's the that's how I've grown in my. Oh, yeah. The other thing, as I said, is 110 percent selfish and self-centered. Now that I'm here in my 38th year of recovery. I'm down to 96% selfish and self-centered. So I have made progress. So um, so I, I go visit Joe. And he says, and he says, what's the problem? And he said, he was a tough guy to work for. He had done some shows, very angry guy. And uh, again, he, like Jack, had real thick hair, and I that's what I wanted. Like what Don has. I want that. If you want what I have, but I'm not willing to do anything to get it. You know, like steal your hair or something. Anyway, so uh, he says, what's the problem? So I tell him, I, I feel like that everything I'm doing is, is people hate me. They don't, you know, all that stuff, right? So he says, so what he does, now he had one of those kind of real modern, airy uh, living rooms, you know, with a huge window that looked out. It was all leather furniture and metal and glass and that kind of thing, right? So we sit at this table. So the first thing he says to me, he says, how much money you got on me, which really threw me. So I said, I don't know. I looked. I said, I got a 20. He says, put it on a table. I would like to make a proposition to you. Okay. So he's my sponsor. I did what he said. He was not my OA sponsor, 
That was Marty Burns, who also was a 300-pound alcoholic when he came in. That's another that he was great too. Never been without a sponsor. I need somebody to talk to. You don't have somebody to talk to, and and I don't like that. Find some some find somebody who has what you want. Here's the problem with that that I found is when I'm nuts, I don't know what I want, or it changes very quickly. So what I tell people is find somebody to talk to that you'll be real with. It doesn't matter who that is, you know. So. So Joe's all right. So I put the twenty. So then he says to me, he says, "How many people do you think there are in the world?" So I think, like I'm trying to be a real smart Jewish kid, I say six billion people. He just just says, for argument's sake, why don't we say that there are seven billion people in the world? And this is in like about 1990, whatever, five or six or something like that. And so I said, okay, I agree. There are seven billion people in the world. He says, this twenty says. That not one of them is thinking about you right now. Then I start laughing. Then I say to him, "Not even my mother." He says, "Chances are your mother's not thinking about you either." Get it? That's the problem. But that's also the experience I can share. We take ourselves too seriously. Rule number sixty-two, especially in OA. All these issues and boundaries and all this stuff. It's like main thing is stop overeating and help somebody. You'll feel better. That's it. See, but it's taken time to learn that. There are a bunch of paradoxes around. Anybody who's been around a long time doing this understands that. There, are, because life. Guess what? The bi- biggest fear I have is I'm going to die someday. I have. And have been able to function with um, MS. It was diagnosed in September in the same in September of 2009, and I have Parkinson's. But because of this program and all the working out I've done, my neurologist tell I outlived my first one. By the way, you know he died of you know anyway. Uh, but he said he said because of all the work that I've done. That by the time the Parkinson's gets bad enough that I have to deal with it, I may I probably won't be here anyway. That's a pretty good thing to hear from a doctor. I have five minutes. Okay, thank you, Vincent. Um, uh, like I knew, you know, the last time I really screwed up because I made the attempt of getting to. Oh no, it wasn't this meeting. It was um, uh, what do you call it? The Sunday meeting. You know the uh, Serenity Sunday, right? I was blocked by traffic and all this kind of. I'm talking to Don on Wilshire trying to get around it, and I just blew that. I blew it because I decided, like I know traffic better. See, there's what we know and what we think we know, and that's where we get into a problem. There's facts and what we think they are. There's perception. That's why self knowledge avails me nothing because that's why I need somebody else to 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 help me with this stuff. Because left to my own devices, and I mean, you think about the chaos. Now I'm not going to get into what happened, but I, we're doing real well. And you know, when I'm in my fear or whatever, I think that uh, nobody understands how bad I feel, except that everybody does. Uh, I came up with an acronym for fear that uh, is appropriate for Overeaters Anonymous. You've heard different ones for fear. You know, face everything and recover. I say fry everything and reheat. So you can use that one. 
However, if that works for you, fine. Take what you want. And what Clancy used to say is file, file all the rest away for future reference. Because you never know where it's going to come up. The first time I was exposed to the 12 steps through Joe was four years before I came in. And he volunteered. He was not an overeater. And he saw that I had a problem. And uh, he said, would you like to come with me to a meeting? And I took myself very, very seriously in my black Russian soul and all that stuff. And he took me to a meeting. He found a meeting. He's not an overeater. But the problem with the meeting was there was only like six or seven women there. And I had not been intimate with my then wife, who was going to meetings on and off. Um, at the point at which I came into the program, I hadn't been intimate with her for 12 years. You know, but I was pretending like I'm Mr. Charm, you know. So I see all women there. I freeze up. I say, I'm not going in there. He got mad at me. He says, well, look, you can uh, kill yourself if you want or you can survive. What's it going to be? Went into the meeting, slammed the door. I left. But that's what I remembered three years later when I came into the program by my, you know, nobody had to tell me. I remember I was at that jumping off place I talked about. I was ta- I was uh, barbecuing 40 ounce steaks at the apartment that I was in for lunch and eating them and felt miserable. And I called over years Namas, which was then the, 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 the clubhouse was in Reseda. And I found out that there was a meeting. And I went to the meeting. And there was a, it's, uh, there was a newcomer's meeting at 730. And the secretary's late. But I hung in there, even criticizing and said, how could she do this? You know. But there was a bunch of people, right? And this lady named Shelley led the newcomer's meeting when they, she finally got there. And it was lovely. She had silver eyes or something. But the point is, she had, I found out later, she had 90 days. But there were about 12 newcomers at that particular meeting in 83. And um, uh, she went up to each of us before the meeting started. She said, how are you doing? Look me straight in the eye. And I hadn't, she was a very sexy, beautiful lady. And I wasn't thinking that. But what I said to her is, I don't have to be alone anymore, do I? Start to cry as an adult man. Okay. And I hadn't cried since God knows when. A guy got a chip for nine months from the back of the room, went, yo, he got this chip. And what he had that I wanted, which I did, is joy. Even though he was a very angry guy, but he had joy. It was, it was not controlled. So I asked him, I said, can I call you? I said, the word sponsor, he says, well, I'm a, I'm a janitor in the L.A. Um, government system. I leave for work at 630. So you're going to have to call before then. So now here's how I know that it was a spiritual experience. That is that the next morning, now being the artiste, I, I rarely got up before noon, you know. However, I found myself without a, an alarm up at 20 to 6 to make sure that I could call him. Sorry, that, that Well, the point is that's it. Anonymity says that if it works for me, it will work for anybody in here. Thank you very much. I rest my case. And that's it. Okay, so, all right, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of one of us after the meeting. Um, 
Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you're using a video and have a question, please raise your hand. If you're using audio only, please click the raise your hand icon. Um, so I see it. So uh, Jack has his hand up. So we'll start with Jack. Hi, I'm Jack. Um, I never ask questions at this meeting. Ira, if there are any new people on the uh, call, by the way, thank you so, so much for sharing. You were great. As always, if there's any newcomers, people here, um, from what I recall in the beginning, it would have been very difficult for me to understand uh, a share uh, that included so many terms and words that uh, uh, were things that we understand over time, but might not in the beginning. What would you tell a newcomer other than? Uh, what you said about stop eating and be of service. Are there any other things you suggest to a newcomer practically, concretely, that you found uh, helpful in the beginning, very beginning of of program for you? All right, that's that's a good question. Um, what help? What helps a lot? In fact, this one guy that I told, I said, what one food is giving you a problem that you feel bad about? that if you put it down, you'd feel better. Can you give it up and call me tomorrow and let me know what it is? In other words, like, can you do something, like it says in the book, can you do something for a day? And most people say, yeah, they can. And this one lady said it was potato chips. You know. So she did. And guess what? She started to, you know, and got started to get it. So that's the one. Because... Even though, like, we're addicts, the food thing, especially in L.A., is like, it's an image town, you know. So we all think of ourselves as being, you know, wrong because whatever. That's that's the answer. So let's see. Uh, Vincent, you have your hand up, so go for it. So uh, you, you haven't talked a lot about the spiritual aspect of the practice or your higher power. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. Um, this is what I heard, which is was very helpful. I, I am Jewish. Um, I found, I, I studied, by the way, Vincent at Kabbalah Center after having uh, chanted the eleven step. All the spirituality unified for me. My dad was had come back. He he translated for because um, his Yiddish was German enough. And so he wound up on liberation teams with three concentration camps, and it really screwed him up. He's a very angry man. I viewed being Jewish like being very angry, clumsy, and all that stuff. And so it took the, the program to unify all that. So uh, so that was a lot of 11-step work. Um, so, But this is what I heard at a PG meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. In order to be successful at Alcoholics Anonymous, the only thing you have to know about a higher power is to be reasonably clear you're not it. So a higher power is in in step two. First thing is step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, over compulsive overeating, that our lives had become unmanageable. There's something else with that step. 
A lot of people say and. There's no and in there. In other words, if I'm overeating or doing my thing, my life is unmanageable. The only thing in the big book is a hyphen. So the first step reads, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. And you, you may think that's this pick, picking it apart, but if you think about it, if you don't think your life is unmanageable, then it's a diet. And nobody's got, nobody can make you do this. So the other thing about that I learned about God and, and a higher power, Vincent, is that what I learned is, in, in terms of mystical stuff, too, uh, God, since God has everything, you can't give God anything. In other words, God has everything, so, like, God shares with us. We're a vessel, you know, and all that stuff. So how I manifest God is to give, to share. That We call it sharing. What do we share? I share my experience in this life. But I can't do it if I'm overeating because it's fake. You know, there's a great quote from George Burns, who, by the way, played God one time. He was he had won the Oscar for Sunshine Boys. Right. And so he was at the press conference afterwards. And this is relevant to what you're asking. So they asked somebody asked him, he said, well, how did you do it? You know, you haven't been active for 20 years. How did you get the Oscar the first out? He had his cigar. He had a robe on. He looked like the little guy, the God. He says, it's honesty. He says, if you can fake that, you got it made. You know, think about that. We spend so much time lying to ourselves. It's really tough. The only thing you have to know is you're not it. So that means if you get a thought and you're not sure whether it's God or not, check it out with somebody else. Anyway, that's... That's that's what I would tell you. It's been a great ride so far. Uh, any other questions? Let's see. Uh, I have a question, Ira. Can you talk about what you do on a daily basis for your program? Um, yeah. Uh, I, first thing, uh, I uh, first thing is I say there's a prayer. And basically what it means, I mean, I used to, you know, like I use the prayers and get on my knees a lot. But what it means is, is that thank you, God, for giving me my soul back to my body and that I can be part of the physical world, something to that effect, you know. But that's the first thing I say. I mean, I may not have translated exactly. That's the first thing I say. First thing. Then I'll get on my knees. And, you know, I'll do some prayers. I call my food in. And my food sometimes uh, is not 100% accurate. There are certain foods I don't eat. You know, but I call it in ahead of time. If I need to make a major change, I'll call it in before I eat it. So it's, it's three meals a day. And a lot of times, the way my day works, I don't even have that middle meal, which is an apple usually or and like or a chicken sausage. I don't eat red meat at all. I've, I had done a food inventory a long time ago. And then go through my day just like it says. You know, it's basically if if I screw up something, um, I get to clean it up. I used to have three-day fights with my wife, you know. And Susan's got a lot of juice, man. And, you know, and we're, we're mirrors of each other. 
But you know what happened this year? Or we had this profound Yom Kippur, which was, I came into the program between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur of 1983. And I, and I got that Yom, for some reason I got in the spiritual awakening, the Yom Kippur was an inventory day and something happened. And we were sitting on a couch watching this thing from Central Synagogue in New York. And my temper has been a big character defect. And it disappeared. And I've not reacted to her since, since like that. So this is a constant. It's, it's, and what Joe used to say to me, Don, he said, the road to the goal is the goal. And the other paradox is it may be a, a road, but it's a broad highway. So that's what I do. I, and before I go to bed, I pray. You know, I get on my knees. So that's what I do. So John, John's iPad, you have your hand up. Uh, thank you, Ira. I enjoyed your share. I enjoyed hearing you share before. Uh, John Kulserator. Hey, John. Uh, I have uh, two questions, actually. I, I, I still have a, a lot of problems with uh, the phone calls, so I was wondering if you could talk about phone calls and what you do and how you get those going. And the other the issue I seem to have a hard time doing with is, uh, is writing. So I was wondering if you could talk about writing as well. Uh, as it relates to the program. I get you. Well, you know, it's like, I don't like either of the, I mean, I, I am, I like, it's like habit, you know, I, I mean, I, I call people every, there's like 10 G I call every day. You know, I call two, two guys with my food every day. You know, I just do. You get into a habit, you know, in terms of reaching out when writing, I mean, I write when I, Rarely do I write these days um, on emotional stuff unless it's really profound or unless I get a direction. I mean, I, I, yes, I do. But, but again, what I found out is, is that I think I'm different than everybody else. You ain't the only one, my friend. You're the one that's, you're admitting it. Like the reading I just showed you. You see, so so the deal is, see, this thing about sponsorship and taking direction, what happens, and this is, I think, defiance is the number one characteristic of an addict. You, if somebody tells you to write something, at least in a way, I mean, I'm, the, my alcoholic personality, Jack knows me, is I'll yell and scream at you. The overeater part of my personality Please don't be offended by this. Is John, you're wonderful, and then I tell everybody this what a schmuck. John, you're wonderful, but you it's the best this is the best talk I ever heard. Oh, what a schmuck. It's the best that's that's the stuff that I eat over. You dig? So so what I'm saying is it's it's easy does it but do it. You only have to do the program one day at a time, but if a sponsor gives you direction, any sponsor. Any sponsor gives you a direction. You ask, what was it like when you did it or you had to go through it? And if they don't say that, they're not being a sponsor. They're being an authority, and we have none. And the other thing is, like my wife is fond of saying to me, because I don't sleep particularly well. You know, I'm on some meds and stuff like that for physical reasons, right? And and she says, she's, when you're tired, you'll sleep. 
And the other day was a perfect example. You know, like I'm 72 and I'm in reasonably good shape. I got stuff. Um, I got allergy, you know, stuff, right? But when I'm tired enough, I'll sleep. If you are upset enough, you'll write. But you got to keep it simple, John. Anyway, anybody else? I hope that answered that. Uh, I have one of two windows. Let me hang on one second. Anyone else? Uh, I don't see any. No, no other questions. I'm that good. Wow. Well, I don't know. What, well, where are we at, Don? I mean, I I don't know where. Okay, we can move along. I have a so, quick question. Who's who's speaking? It's Nancy. Hi, Ira. Hey. Um, Hi, Nancy. Do you mind? Hi. Do you mind talking about what your your experience with strep step three has been? Um, especially like, can you talk about it when you were like in the beginning in program, what it was like and how it's evolved? Sure. Um, uh, I had, you know, both for, for step three. Well, I'll tell you what they say in Pacific Group, and it's a little tough for us to hear. Step three is you do what you're told, but that's. And there's a reason they say that. Um, what somebody who I used to know, Mel H., used to say is, it's not the, the conscious, it's not the decision you make that's important. It's the consciousness behind the decision. So, um, like, the other thing I learned is that um, when, like, surrender is not submission. Like, when I finally got into OA, it's like I had nowhere to turn anymore. But the other part of it is, is that if I have, and and I'm a, and the other thing is acceptance. So, like, if I'm a human being, see, like, I write music for a living, and I've been very successful at it. So I have to use my imagination. You know, the problem is, is it to try and solve, uh, uh, you know, relationship problems, uh, problems that involve things that I'm reluctant about, to use my mind, like there was a guy um, that used to teach at Cal State Northridge who used to say, that my head's like a bad neighborhood. It's dangerous. It's a dangerous place to hang out. One thing I know is that if I'm debating something, and I learned this capitalistically, I've learned it in a lot of ways, if I'm debating something, that's not God. That's my head. And what I learned is, invariably, that causes me chaos. So what I'm looking for, in like one thing I know is that with a third step, if I truly turn it over, I, sh- I will eventually find some peace, though it may not seem so at the time. So, and the other thing is, the book talks about it, too. It's like I said, uh, Bill Wilson said, you try to help somebody else through the day. You try not to hurt anybody. And what he said is basically, if you, at the end of the day, if you've done that, you will have done the 12 steps. 
I hope that helps. I mean, yes, thank you. 